0: Hey, hey, hey! It's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, and a cuppa, and join me in the sociology star room. Hello and um, welcome to the sociology star room. I've got a familiar face on my right hand side. Drum roll. Craig, how are you?
1: <laughs> I'm good, Katie. Yourself, you doing well, well. I'm
0: good. I'm living. I'm living my best sociology life as you can do. So, um, <laughs> but how are you, anyhow?
1: excellent we've just we've just come back from doing kind of the success in sociology and we're we're just kind of prepping for the grade boosters now
0: yeah so we're we're all ready for those when do they start just a bit of a plug
1: there oh yeah first one newcastle fourth of march and that same week we are in manchester and leeds i think Leeds first on the 6th of march and manchester on the 8th of march and then we go to Birmingham and Bristol, or Bristol and Birmingham, and then yourself and Anna, you are in London, and then I'll be in London after Easter.
0: I <laughs> know, oh, so you, you're going to be busy, you and Duncan, mm-hmm. you're going to be busy. When I time I see Duncan in London, you will be very tired, so um, yes, you're going to be very, we're well, not tired, you're going to be full of energy, because obviously it's the social roosters, but um, you're doing them, and obviously I know you're doing the, uh, what's the name, the online revision blast as well.
1: Is that right? We are. We've are, we got a revision blast. Um, we're doing those on Wednesday evenings um, when we're not around the country.
0: Excellent. So just a little plug there. We, we, it would be bad to have you on and not put those things out then. I know you've been busy <laughs> making resources. I think I think most students will know your voice, and if not, teachers do as well. So um, we're here to talk about MIC.
1: Methods in context, Yep. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So, I suppose the reason it seems to be, and the reason I'm, I'm getting you on again to speak about it, is one that mm-hmm. obviously you are potentially the guru of the, that content and you can we can get some ideas around. I think when I sort of man or look at the Facebook page, it's the one that teaches the sort of like, how do we still teach this, you know, and there's still sort mm. of, I know, it's slightly changed from how it used to be marked and how it's marked now. Um, mm. And I think it is a sort of one question that isn't like all the other questions, potentially, because obviously the 20s will really like the thirty, the 10 markers, methods ones are quite straightforward. They're just like an essay without introduction and conclusion. And then I think people got their head around the, the 10 markers with the item and the 10 markers mm-hmm. without the item. It's the methods of context. It is that literally that one question. So I suppose my question to you, how do we answer it?
1: <laughs> how do you answer the methods and well, context? Many, question? How do our
0: students? <laughs>
1: How do the students answer a methods and context question? Um, I, I think you're spot on in the fact that it is very, very different to any other type of question that you get, largely because the main skill it is focusing on is application and it is asking students to think on their feet um, about how they would apply the strengths and limitations of a specific research method to a specific educational context. So. It's asking them to apply their knowledge of research methods to their knowledge of education and a little, you know, in a far more extreme way than the 10 markers, the the synoptic 10 markers where it's asking them to apply knowledge from one part of the specification to another part of the specification. This one is asking them to apply knowledge from two completely different parts of of, of the teaching that they will have had most, most often like that teaching will be done in year 12, but, um. It, it, it is students do have to stop and think when they right, when, when they're answering this question. It is one that you can't just jump straight into. For me, the item is massive. The item is, is a huge kind of way in which you would structure that essay um, by looking at the two paragraphs, the first paragraph obviously focusing on the the issue and the potential participants or, or you know teachers, parents, pupils. Um, and the second one, looking at the, the details of the method. So that doesn't really answer the question as to how to write it, but that just gives you a bit of an overview about it. Um, <clears throat> sorry, pardon me. We there is, a, there is a lot of people tend to use the, the PET structure, um, writing one paragraph of practical, one paragraph of ethical, one paragraph of theoretical. I tend to steer away from that. And there's a number of reasons why I would steer away from that. Um, firstly, because often what is a practical issue can turn into a theoretical issue. And it can be that, um, so for example, we t- take something like access, access to participants. So that's very much a practical issue. But if you can't access a specific group, um, or you can only access... Uh, if you can't access a representative group then that starts to become then a theoretical issue it impacts on the validity of the research that you're getting so sometimes if you do the pet format um it can lead to very much, uh, to to pupils stating strengths and limitations that aren't necessarily in the context likewise with things like ethical issues ethical issues if you get a research method that is ethically quite sound so for a couple of years ago there was one on um basically it was official statistics i think it was quantitative secondary sources students get stuck and don't know what to write and they might just say well there are no issues with official statistics and you're like okay you're right you're correct but you you you're limiting how you can develop your essay for me the one thing I teach students to do is to almost number the points that are in the item and say, right, this is going to be my first paragraph. I'm going to develop that hook. Second, I'm going to develop something on this line. Third, develop something on this and fourth, develop something on, on, on this, this item hook. Um, And then make sure that if it's a strength or limitation of the method to apply it to, the res the people who have been researched and um, what i call the who and the issue um the 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 topic that is being been uh, discussed what i call the what the what so there's the who the what and the how the how being the research method and try to include those three elements in a paragraph so it might be that you get um a point where so if I think about 2022's paper I don't want to discuss 2023's just in case anyone's doing a mock and obviously it's still technically it's still embargoed um or it's still in in secure servers if you look at 2022's paper it was about group interviews and subject choice strengths and limitations of group interviews and subject choice so you might say well one issue with a group interview is that um people might not respond and there may be somebody who takes the lead in in that group interview. And that's, that's what we would see as being just a strength or limitation of that method. It's not really applied to the context, but what you can do then is go, well, we're studying subject choice. Why might people conform to subject choice based on that? What is it about masculine or feminine subjects that might make them conform? And then you think about a group interview and you think about who are we going to be studying when we're talking about pupil subject choice? Well, the likelihood is, is we're gonna have d- different groups of pupils there. What do we know about different groups of pupils and how they interact with each other? So that leads you into thinking about peer pressure and particularly peer pressure on, on, on boys, on boys and how they, um, if they have picked a subject that is in the feminine domain, how they might not want to discuss that in the presence of their peers because what will happen is, is they, they may be subject to bullying. And we know that from our research in education, if you've looked at like Epstein's research into education and how boys will be subject to homophobic slurs um, if they are show interest in education. So you've made those three links and you're looking to do that, I would say four, four or five times probably across the course of that essay.
0: It sounds like you are going to say something else. So basically, no, to summarise, I was very intently listening there. Um, so basically, it's it's because I think teachers and students like to have some sort of basis, and I understand that, mm. like you said, pets is not always the most useful, particularly if there is no obvious ethical issue. And unless they talk about the sort of the idea that, for this question, the like practical issues have an impact, but then. On theoretical and vice versa. I think the problem is that it does end up just not putting it into context. It feels more like the straightforward methods question, and mm-hmm. you, you're at risk of focusing on the strengths and weaknesses or the advantages and disadvantages of the method rather than the context. And so, the, mm-hmm. the thing you were saying, it needs to have those three components. It needs to be talking about the, the method. The, the who, the what, and the how—basically the method, mm-hmm. the participants. Especially and the where the as issue. well. You can, yeah, you can bring it, the where in
1: if you're talking about the 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 um, the school environment. Yeah, and that and that can be something else that you might talk about. I think the where can be a little bit less applied to the specific context, but mm-hmm. if you're doing a research method within the school, that brings up um, certain issues, things like time, access, you know,
0: yeah, so gatekeepers that type of thing within the school uh, and the school day. So you've got it's really sort of being mindful that those, those sort of three to four components are covered in each paragraph for those students. How do you feel about um, introductions, conclusions? Because obviously it's 20 marks.
1: Um, I, I think it, it's generally down to sort of like people's preference with introductions and conclusions. I mean, an introduction, a good introduction, could be just talking about the method. Mm. And uh, you're getting in a lot of kind of the things that you probably would normally say. So if you talk about group interviews, what is a group interview? Um, you know, What are some of the, 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 the minor strengths or limitations of it? And you're getting those things out of the way with an introduction. It's not gonna add too much. Um, it depends on sort of like what you're taught in, in, in terms of whether you do an introduction or not. Your conclusions, I'd say your conclusions are more likely to be throughout. Sort of mm. like sort of evaluating sort of like some of those strengths and limitations. But a good concluding paragraph looking at how how effective that method is to study that specific issue um, Mm -hmm. I would say is really useful Mm -hmm. Um, in that you might suggest an alternative method Mm -hmm. but that's the only place I would suggest an alternative method Mm -hmm. and so you might suggest that it might be used say for example we took something like group interviews and subject choice well we could say well this will give us an insight into some of the differences and we may then use a quantitative method um, to look at it on a wider scale. Yeah. So we might see some of the reasons and the, and the moti- motivations and the rationale behind why a student has picked a certain uh, subject. However, what we were, were more likely to do is we, we, we might need to see, look, see that on a wider scale. So we may start to look at some data. We may look at official statistics on um, subject choice for example and that's you're making a conclusion because you're saying well it is somewhat effective but we can't really apply it on a large scale and therefore we we might need another method so that's a quite useful um way to conclude i think in each paragraph you're looking to either address the issue that you've raised so if you've raised an issue of some say for example something like access or um the other one that tends to be commonly used is the school's reputation damage to the school's reputation then what you'll might want to do is you might want to evaluate that by saying but however um researchers will deal with this um by anonymizing the school making it confidential um and and that's an evaluation of sorts um or if you've got a strength then suggesting a a problem that may occur that is almost linked into it within research methods there are lots of opposites so for example if something has a lot of validity Mm -hmm. it's possibly not going to be as reliable as other methods and, Mm -hmm. and and vice versa if something is in depth it might not be as large scale we might not be able to apply it to other people so there are those natural opposites that you can use but with the structure, going back to the the idea of of a structure, it is because you are thinking on your feet, because you, as a student you are thinking on your feet, that it becomes a little bit more of a difficult question, and this is why it is very inconsistent as you go through an essay. And teachers always have said sort of like they struggle to mark it because there are good points and there are bad points within the essay, uh, and and that is because students are thinking on their feet, you know, they're they're 18 years years of age. They've done some research methods. They've done some education. Sometimes they've done those separate and they're having to apply the skills from one to another. Mm. Um, and that's, that's part of the problem. Part of the problem with it. For me, it's, it's when you're teaching it, you probably need to spend a lot more time embedding methods in context into your general teaching uh, particularly within um, research methods and within education but you can also do it in in other topic areas as well
0: yeah definitely i suppose but definitely when you sort of look at i suppose a nice way as well is 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 in your theory and method a bit like people sort of teach things like differently but obviously policy is a Mm. good way to sort of look at it particularly from from the statistics perspective um and how that you know revisiting it because obviously physical statistics are doing lots of different things whether it would be an education family unit uh, and how that has an impact on policies as well i was just thinking you mentioned a point earlier um it's a lot of it is going to be i know myself i teach it in year 12 um uh, lots of other teachers will be teaching it to 12. um so obviously i mean I'd like to think that a lot of us will go back and re- revise it as part of our revision because it's something that is a unique skill for that question, but is potentially something that we have embedded, it, embedded, but not as a particular question in itself since year mm-hmm. 12. Potentially we're thinking about revising maybe in the next month or so. How best to sort of revise that? Would it just be doing past questions and sort of mind mapping around that? Or would it be just thinking almost like predicting questions or or thinking what could be because there's so many different variables isn't it because you can't really predict all the variables within that question because obviously one hack could be thinking of all the yeah. methods and then thinking of all the who's and the what's but there are so many what's and potentially so many who's variations that so that could take months to cover all those those possibilities
1: there's a lot i mean one way one way i've done it in 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 the past is and and i kind of like to do things that have got dual purpose that don't necessarily look at one you're obviously trying to be more effective and efficient with your time um as a teacher there's a number of different ways in which you you can revise a methods in context question but one one way i've i've started to use was um you when you are revising say for example social class and education you would might put in the center you know what do we know about working class pupils all right. okay, so we know that they, they underachieve. Well, we know that statistically they underachieve. We, you know, then we would go down and start to go right, okay, well, they will have, may, may suffer from material deprivation. And then you start to think about, well, what might material deprivation, how might we research material deprivation? And then you might sort of go out and go, right, okay, we might use official statistics. That'd be a, a decent method, but there's still problematic. How do we define what material deprivation is? Or you could say right well well if we use interviews but then we know that material deprivation is going to be sensitive it's going to be a sensitive topic so in many ways you're revising your your social class and education but you're also revising the characteristics of a, a working class pupil and some of those topics in there as well and you can do that with 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 gender with with social class with ethnicity and and you can go through those and look at them you talked about predicting questions i i think predicting questions on this specification now is is a fruitless task because mm. some of the questions that come up are very unique, very niche.
0: Carefully worded um, there. You, carefully worded, crazy. <laughs> they're, they're very niche. They are,
1: they, are, they, they, are, they are quite niche. They're, they're challenging. I mean, I think the way that they've been written, I don't know who's who's written them or anything like that, but the way they've written is, is that there's enough in there for your average student to get a decent grade, but there's also a little bit in there, to challenge the best students to get the top grades okay and um, those at the bottom sort of like may really struggle but um, the one thing I would say sort of with we, 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 it is worth practicing past paper questions it used to be that we could almost see a piece of research that this past question was on so I have to go back to the first Year of doing this specification, it was very clearly it was a, a replication of Rosenthal and Jacobson's Pygmalion in the Classroom with the field experiments and teacher labeling, and you could you could you could see that very clearly that that's what had been used. Um, now it's less so. You may be able to notice something that's more contemporary if you if you're really well up on your on your educational research. Um, but it does tend to be a little bit more niche. So last year it was pu- sorry, don't want to discuss what it was last year, but you know it's things like subject choice in twenty twenty two. The only reason I'm not discussing what it was last year is in case anybody has a mock on it and students mm. get with it or whatever. Um, it does become a little bit more. It does become less predictable, um, to look at. So the days of it kind of being anti school subcultures and group interviews, which was a big hint at Paul Willis probably aren't there anymore. So it's very difficult to prep and it's it's more about getting students to think on their feet. Another way to revise it, um, something that I think I put up in the Facebook group last year and we did our success in sociology last week was get students to list the strengths and limitations of each method. So get them to list them and then kind of create a table and put up how might this affect the people who are being studied? So, um, how might this affect? How might this affect the topic? What can we do to address this issue? Or what can we do? What is a problem with this issue? And then talk the students through. So, if they say, and again going back to twenty twenty two, we say right, okay, what's the strength or limitation of a group interview? And they will go, well, you know, um, group interview, um, one person will take the lead, one person will take the lead. We might not get. We might not get everybody interacting the free rider effect you might not get people contributing why might this be a problem when we are looking at who will who be studying then you might go okay well okay well, we're talking about boys and girls right what do we know about boys when they're in a group interview situation what do we know about them well they're more likely to conform to a leader okay why is that important when we're looking at subject choice well because they don't want to get They don't want to be criticized by by their peers. There you go, there's the three elements in that one statement. And you can do that with another one. You could then address that and go, well, the fact that there is, you know, um, sorry, another one you could look at is, well, a group interview, there may be status differences between the researcher and pupils. Why? Well, the pupils may react badly to the researcher. They may see them as a teacher in disguise. So they may not want to engage with them. And you don't necessarily have to include all three elements, but a good way of doing it is. But then how do we address that? Well, one of the points, uh, well, one of the benefits of a group interview is that it lessens status differences because it's strength in numbers.
0: Yeah, there's a, the thing is, I think it's getting familiar with it. Like you said, I think it's getting used to it and thinking like the students get thinking outside the box. I know we've said this before when I've spoken to you, is getting the students to think like the researcher and putting themselves in their shoes and taking that time just... I know it's you know time is short but get encouraging students to plan before they embark on that question particularly that one you know like you said using those hooks and really thinking well what would that feel like if you were carrying that research out i know not everyone's got it is got the time to do it but i sort of really like doing a sort of mini project with students within the school mm-hmm. and carrying out a bit of research and them are all doing different ones so they can talk about the strengths and weaknesses of actually mm-hmm. what that felt like um I remember distinctly when a student said it's really quick and easy to do uh, questionnaires and surveys and yes it was until they had to analyse it and so they genuinely could see what that felt like and actually they were the last one actually to to complete there they couldn't finish it but that was a learning experience in itself so there's sort of different hacks around it as well but I think you know definitely something would I think part of our if we're sort of organising our revision is something we'd have to revisit at this point of the year, um, because it's not something that is it is embedded, like you said, in education. But obviously, we've got so many other things that we're looking at uh, as well. But yeah,
1: there's many just there's many different ways to sort of like of embedding it right across the specification. I mean, so sort of like when you're doing your research methods, it might be that you focus those research methods when you're doing the research methods section. Focus it on education on, on pieces mm. of educational research. We did a course with Tutor2U an online course where we talk about teaching research methods and a lot of that is using methods that have been used to research education so you're getting students to practice those to come up with the strengths and limitations like you said with a research project a big skill i mean lots of people will have to embed employability skills like within their scheme of work but methods in context and preparing for methods in context is a massive employability skill because what you have is these students in, in four or five years' time when they're doing their degrees or their master's dissertation, they're going to have to do these things. Mm. So we are prepping them uh, for the future. Another way of doing it is every time when you get a piece of research, when you're doing, say, for example, you doing Willis, whether you doing Willis in, as, as a criticism of Marxism or whether, you, or sorry, as a kind of neo-Marxist criticism of um, structural Marxism, or whether you're doing Willis in, in subcultures, put up an extract from Willis's research and then start to address some of the issues. I did this by just taking the first page of Willis's mm-hmm. book and putting it up there, and he talks about Hammertown. And you say to students, why did he call, why, why is it called Hammertown? Why has he done that? And, and you're asking those questions, and you're doing it consistently. And there's lots of pieces of research out there where you can get a small extract of it, um, another one I've used in the past was Heidi Merza's um, Racialized Expectations of Teachers and you put up an extract there, Merza, um, when she was doing these these overt observations in, in schools, some teachers would sh- just slam the door on her, they didn't want her in, they would just sl- slam her on the door and, and then you can look and go, right, why would that be a problem, why, wh- what what is the problem there for a researcher? So you're embedding those methods in context all the way through the mm-hmm. specification and it's only taking 10 15 minutes out of your classes asking those questions and going what might be a problem with observing those te- what might be a problem a methodological problem with doing that piece of research so there's there's lots of little kind of hacks that you can do as you say and um, through that um you've got a number of different ones so the balloons in context using the contact using the spinners the connection spinners to sort of like come up with the different methods as well it is a tough question and and i think it's because it's a skill that is students struggle with which is application mm.
0: and it's taking that time isn't it it's not something that is i think a lot of sociology isn't like this actually it's not formulaic and so i think that no, that's the question right. particularly and you'll see the other one in, in the 10 markers as well the other mm. 10 markers particularly it's asking the question that's in front of you not the one that you've planned and i think that's maybe that's more the skill in reflection that we're teaching our students on the, on the off because i think when mm. you first start sociology they're like how many paragraphs what does the paragraph look like um mm. And, and I, you know, even in 13, they're still asking those questions because obviously another other that might be the case. But for sociology, mm-hmm. maybe the, the response early on is reinforcing the idea that we were, there isn't a formula and that actually we're teaching yeah. thinking skills. Uh,
1: and, and that's why with this question and with the, the 10 mark outline explain, what you often get is you get students doing part of the answer but not all of the answer. Mm. So, I mean, part of the answer, if they did an essay, did, did, did a great essay on strengths and limitations of that specific method but didn't mention it in the context, they're still going to get in that kind of middle, you know, mid-band. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 20 marks out of 240. They will still get 10, 10, out, mm-hmm. 10 marks out of 20 for doing just strengths and limitations, and mm-hmm. it's like, and and you will see on average it's in that 12 to 13 question. Yeah um likewise with the with the 10 markers you see it, it on average is in the four to seven band mm-hmm. because it's it's that ability to apply your knowledge um I, and that's something i think that's something that, that generally we, we need to get better at as, as teachers need to get them to be able to apply their knowledge from one area to another um but there's a lot i think there's there's a lot more to be said on application
0: yeah, I. Do you know what? I'm earmarking you. Once you've come off, uh, coming off tour, I'm gonna get you earmark you for that as skill, because I think it might, hopefully teachers might have some time in the summer term. start sort of, uh, I suppose prep, not necessarily prepping, but maybe revising some of their existing resources, and maybe we can talk about application then and how do we develop that skill within our students? Because actually. That's increasingly becoming more and more important. And, and those chains mm. of analysis as well, those AI3 skills. So I'm going earmark you for that. Um, application
1: application you. will become more important. I mean, just, just generally speaking, with, with the advent of things like AI, and when we move into new forms of assessment, which will inevitably happen because of AI, application is going to be more and more important. And you see at university level now, it's more about people, uh, sorry, the students dealing with problems, mm. with a specific problem I and mean, applying their knowledge to that rather than just writing out what they know. And I think that that will that will eventually come at some point in time, whereas I think we, we, we probably will be dealing with more application-based questions rather than um, a, a straightforward rehearsed social class essay or a, so, a rehearsed gender essay because of yeah. AI.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm going to pick your brains about that. Asking, <laughs> oh, when you when you're free and say maybe you just, oh no, you won't be f- well. Yeah, maybe if free June time. I'm just thinking what else you might be doing at that time. Probably
1: um, which... <laughs> so, in August or something, maybe maybe
0: yeah, August. Maybe or August you're good. Uh But yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you for your wise words. I really really appreciate it. And uh, no yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll look forward to meeting some teachers and some students over the next couple of months
1: we are we always look forward to the great booster tours they're great brilliant oh we'll
0: take brilliant. care thank you craig much appreciated no bye bye thanks
1: katie bye, bye. The sociology staff room is brought to you by tutor to you sociology find us at tutor to you.net forward slash sociology or follow us on twitter at tutor to you sock or instagram at tutor to you sock you can also join our very lively facebook groups for sociology teachers see you soon